Blog Talk Radio. Church 
for our senior pastor, Pastor Otis Logan. If you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, feel free and come worship with us. We are at 4204 Cardinal Drive, Dallas, Texas, 75216. Once again, I want to thank each and every one who are tuning in. And thank you, thank you, thank you for your continued prayers and support. I hope today everyone had a great day. We had a, an awesome time at church today. And um, all I can say is um, my needs were met. And I thank God that God really moved. Okay, so on today's show, on today's show, we have a very special guest, a young lady that is an advocate, a, a supporter of uh, really informing men and women different things about domestic violence. Um, great young lady I got a chance to meet through my niece, and she's been a great blessing, not just to myself, to my family, but also to many people in this community. And she's going to speak to us about domestic violence and so much more in the episode called Hearing Silent Screams. So without any further moment ado, I would like to introduce everyone to Miss Crystal Lusk at this time. Miss Crystal Lusk. How you doing today, ma'am? Hello, I'm fine. How are you? Doing good, doing good, doing good. Um, I thank you for coming on the show. And um, I'd like to say I publicly I want to thank you for everything that you do. Uh, you do a lot of things. I've got a chance to see you uh, from behind the scenes, and you do so much. All I can say is um, you need to be cloned. <laughs> You need to be cloned. I, I really appreciate you. Thank you. And um, if I could just represent the many people that you help, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your mission, your ministry. And um, just want you to be able to just come and just share with us some things that, um, that may be helpful for so many people who may not be educated, who may may not have been uh, informed on some of the things that uh, people go through. So, uh, first, um, what drove you to um, the mission that you're in right now? What drove me to the mission that I'm in now? Um, I Actually, I was going through domestic violence myself. I was in a domestic violence marriage in a relationship for eight years, and, and within that eight years, I actually been free. It'd be four years this December. Um, I was going through it so much, and I tried to hide it from my family and friends, and I was so ashamed of my situation, and I didn't want anybody to know what I was dealing with because I was so afraid of people would judge me or, you know, talk about me and things like that. So. I decided, I was looking on Facebook one day, and I was looking for a support group and a domestic violence group, basically looking for, you know, just that support. And when I was searching, I couldn't find 
a domestic violence group at the time on Facebook. So I decided to start my own domestic violence group. So I stepped out on faith and I started it and um, started adding people and things like that. And once I started that, I got to start meeting people everywhere. And I started meeting other women and men that's actually was dealing with the same situation I was dealing with. And it started making me feel more comfortable because it was more people out there that were struggling with this, just like me. And we were able to, you know, talk about it. And, you know, I felt very comfortable with opening up. And once I started opening up to them, I felt more comfortable opening up to people that was around me, like my family, my friends, people that didn't have no idea that I was dealing with this for so long. And so uh, once that got started, uh, the Lord just put it on my heart to just start going out helping more. And so that's what I started doing. I started going downtown, meeting homeless people, going, you know, starting to do like domestic violence photo shoots, you know, just making people know that it's okay, you know, for you to be yourself. You know, you don't have to be ashamed of something you didn't sign up for, you know, and I just wanted people to understand, you know, we can't always blame ourselves. We can't always feel like it's our fault when we're in situations like this. So, you know, once all of that got started and God just kept leading me to put it out there and help people, and that's what I've been doing. Hmm. Wow, that's First of all, that's awesome. Um, now, a lot of times, especially you you mentioned about, if you want to say kind of hiding it from your family, um, do you feel like a lot of times those things, domestic violence, happen underneath our nose and we're not um, we're not told about it or we kind of miss it because it's very well hid. Yes, I think that it, a lot of times it's very well hid, but then a lot of times a lot of people do know about it, but a lot of times a lot of people like myself, I was married, we was in a church, you know, and I didn't want, you know, pretty much our church family. And then when they did kind of know that we was going through certain situations, you know, people try to tell you, you know, you have to work your marriage out, you have to do this, you have to do that. And, you know, I was always going by what other people wanted me to do instead of just doing what I knew my heart was telling me I needed to do. And I knew being in that uncomfortable situation wasn't right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think a lot of times we allow ourselves to let other people imprison us. You know, it's so many people they're looking for a way out, but like you said, they're they're scared. They're scared to it to come out with it because people may judge them or prejudge them. Correct. And especially so many people when they're dealing with that, you know, it's bad when people they they kind of get a glimpse of something ain't right, but they they tell you or they try to make you feel guilty if you leave, if you run, if you if you want to say tell on. The abuse of being you wrong. Did you experience anything like that? Yes. Like I always, I used to protect my abuser a lot. And it was at a point 
where I even had my kids to protect him as well. I used to have my bruise, my bruises that I had on my body by wearing long sleeve clothes, even when I was going to church. Um, when I did, you know, my kids did experience me going through abuse. I used to tell them, you know, don't tell your grandma this happened. Or I used to literally train my kids to lie, you know, so he wouldn't get in any, any trouble. And um, it even got to a point where, uh, he was fighting on me so much where my neighbors used to hear us and they called the police. And when the police used to come out, I still lied for him. And even when he wound up going to jail, I used to go down like the next day or later on that night and, and put money to bail him out of jail and stuff because I was so afraid more of him getting out and coming coming and damaging my things. Or I was so afraid that his family would be so upset with me and not worrying about my life or what he can do to my kids. It was more that I was always trying to protect him and just bring the peace. Hmm. Wow. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because um, I do work in the... Uh, law enforcement, and I see a lot of young ladies, especially when I have to go to a Frank Crowley court building, I see a lot of young ladies that go up there defending, and this is, I'm it's not saying great. that domestic violence does not happen with uh, men, but we've seen a lot more where the women are abused, and like you said, so many of them, they'll defend. They'll come to the aid of the abuser. Like you said, they make excuses. They'll, you know, they'll call the police, and they feel so guilty that they end up bonding them out. Like you said, mm-hmm. end up bonding them out, try to help them. I've seen so many women have actually bailed them out, stay up there, and bring that person back home. They they actually pick Correct. that person up. You know. Yeah, um, that was me. Hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, was it? How hard was it? If it may sound like a strange question, but how hard was it when it came down to the battle within yourself between if you were going to leave, if you wanted to stay, and then what drove you to have that final straw to just leave? I battled with it for so many years that when I was in this, this marriage that I knew that what everything that, like I said, what I was facing wasn't right. I even got to a point where I put a restraining order on him and I still was allowing him to come back because they, you know, they sweet talk you and things like that. But what my final draw was, uh, it was 2015, the day after Christmas and, um, where he got to a point where he was acting like he was going to kidnap my daughter and he was fighting on me and my neighbors got involved. And I had one neighbor that actually jumped in was like, you're not going to keep, you know, hitting this girl in front of me. And I felt like if this person can stand up for me and she's a woman, I can stand up for myself. And when, when she stood between us and gave me that opportunity to leave, that's when I packed my kids up and I left. And I had my mind made up that I wasn't going back. And after that, I started my fast, you know, in January. And I never looked back. And I think the main thing was 
The whole time when I left, I, what got me through, I, I always said this prayer to myself every day, uh, Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ. And that was the first Bible scripture I learned. And, and, and even as a grown person, because I never read the Bible like that, I never just put my focus on God. And I had my focus more on my marriage and my relationship, and I felt like I had it more under control. But once I kept you know, reading that scripture, doing my fast, it was like the Lord was letting me know you were so scared all these years, but all you have to do is step out on faith. And when I stepped out on faith and I was gone, I was gone and I never returned back. Hmm. Wow. Wow. So when that, when that happened, looking back at it, were there any red flags? If you could look back at it now, were there any red flags that you might have seen that may have been overlooked in the beginning or anything like that? Yes. Um, the very first beginning, we was we was dating maybe like a month into our relationship. And it um, it kind of started off as jealousy. But in a lot of our minds as young ladies, we think jealousy is something cute. Or we think that they just love us more. And that's the little signs he used to show me where, you know, he didn't like me talking to certain people. Or he tried to keep me, you know, isolated, sheltered, where I wasn't able to you know, hang around and be around people or talk to people on the phone like I normally would. And so um, that's how it first started off. And then it finally got to a point where one day I was going to get my hair done and I was gone a little bit too long. And when I returned back home, because he was calling my phone, he was texting me and he was threatening me over the phone. But like, again, I was thinking, oh, it's just a joke. You know, it's cute, you know. But once I made it home, he had damaged. I had a big old pool table in the middle of my floor. And he damaged my pool table to where it didn't even look like a pool table anymore. And that was my first sign. And then like a few days after that, that's when he first decided to be uh, physically abused to me in front of the kids. And, you know, and it just started going from there. And every time he did something, I, he always apologized, and I accepted it. And then another thing, he always used his childhood, why he have so much anger built in. You know, his dad was there, but he wasn't there. His mom, you know, was jumping from, you know, guy to guy. So he was dealing with a lot of issues, and I used to feel bad for him because of them issues. But at the same time, I had to realize – I, I had a, a, a hard childhood as well because my dad was dealing with drug addiction and he wasn't there full time. And my mom was a single mom trying to raise three kids, working two jobs. So I had to realize that myself. Hmm. Hmm. So now you got out, um, and I know you had mentioned that you eventually went on and shared it with your family. Um, how was that experience finally getting a chance to feel free enough to um, share with your family? Did you, did you feel that maybe they wouldn't believe you because maybe from the outside looking in, it's so perfect or um, did they kind of share with you what they kind of felt that that had been going on anything? Yes, um, when I when I finally decided to just come out in the open and be honest with everyone, 
Um, I got different emotions from a lot of people. Uh, for as like my family, my mom already kind of had a feeling because my youngest daughter used to kind of like tell her and I used to like cover it up, you know, and stuff like that. So my mom already kind of knew, so she wasn't surprised. My best friend, she was a little aware of some of the situations. So, um, but a lot of other people, I got to a point where I, when I was discussing it, um, you know how social media is. It got back to a lot of family members on his side and stuff. So people were judging me. I felt like I was getting bullied as a grown woman on Facebook because people were telling me I was lying. This person didn't do this to me, you know, and things like that. And then, you know, you have just church members, you know, some that understood and some didn't understand because we were married. And so, like I said, I just had different emotions uh, from different people and but at the at the end as long as I felt like my kids was protected and you know things like that everything else didn't even matter to me anymore hmm. Hmm. so dealing with all of that and after you got free do you remember the first time after you got free after you got out of that situation do you remember the first you were able to look in the mirror and actually see the the new you. Um, do you remember that? And if you do, how was that experience? The first time, actually, it took me. It, I, it didn't, let me tell you, it didn't happen overnight because mm-hmm. even after this man was out of my life, the first six months, me, I treated myself and I treated my kids like we was vampires. I didn't allow them to go outside. I kept them sheltered in my room where we all slept in one room because I never knew if this person was going to come back and kick in my door. I never knew. I really didn't even never get any sleep because it was just still me and my girls. So the very first time was probably like six months after I finally left this relationship and I started fasting with someone and we became very close and that's when when you start hearing somebody else tell you you're beautiful, you know they appreciate you, you know they let you know your worth. And I looked at myself in the mirror one day, and I was just looking at myself, and I realized I was beautiful, and, you know, I was somebody. And, you know, it's somebody out there that, that's going to love me, you know what I'm saying? And so that's when I realized after six months who I really was as a person because for a long time I didn't know who I was when I looked in the mirror. Hmm. So, so now after you got a chance to break away from that, and now you see the young lady in the mirror, and and also no longer feeling captive and everything. Um, how was that period of starting over? Was it was it as hard as you thought it was, or was it easier? To be honest, it was easier. At first, I thought it was going to be hard because I I always thought of the negative things that could happen instead of thinking of the positive that was going to come out of this. And once, like I said, I stepped out on faith, I started finding myself and, you know, trusting God more and things like that. And as I look back now, it's like I should have left a long time ago, you know, because the things that I thought he would have done, it wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. Mm. You know, you know. Um, I, I want to bring this up because a lot of times people say, "Well, you know, when someone is in a, a domestic violence situation, they they leave seven times and come back." You know, uh, 
and and I I challenge people with that sometimes, which sometimes that could be true. Sometimes some people they leave, come back several times, sometimes five, six, seven, sometimes eight times, whatever or more. But also on the same token, I tell people that may be true on some incidents, but don't rely upon that number, you know, because there are some people, that, some people, they didn't get a, a third chance or fourth chance, you know. Um, so now you have experienced all of those things. Can you tell the listeners that may be out there who may be in a relationship where they may not be feeling so protected, they may not be feeling uh, they feel something, but they know that it may be something wrong or uh, their feeling may be questionable. But uh, can you help people to identify uh, the the signs of being in a domestic violent relationship or even for those people who may have family members? Uh, what type of traits do we need to look for for those who uh, may be in domestic violent relationships? The first sign I would tell people, jealousy. You know, when it gets to a point where you're not able to talk to someone and without this person getting upset with you, so look for the jealous sign first. Then you look for controlling behavior. When a person is telling you who you can and can't talk to, what you can and cannot wear, then I tell you to look for verbally abuse. Were they cussing you out or, you know, they just, you know, making you feel like you're not a person. They telling you they down and you telling you you're you're fat. You know, just making your you you're making your emotions just go all over the place. And then I will also tell the person to look for isolation where when you're getting to a point where you only allowed to be around your abuser or you're no longer able to pick up the phone and call your mother or your sister. And then, you know, when it gets to a point, look for another sign when a threaten of violence, when they, they telling you if you leave, they're going to kill you or they're going to kill your kids or someone closest to you. Them are the main signs you need to look for. Hmm. So with people that are going through those things, um, now they are realizing that 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 relationship that they're in, um, they may have had signs that they may have overlooked it, but um, now they realize, okay, that is a toxic relationship. Um, what can you tell them for those who may be scared to leave? They want to leave, but they're scared to leave or they want to leave, but they don't know where to go, or even having the fear of starting all over? My advice, I would tell anyone, if you feel like you're in a situation like that, first set yourself a goal. Like, get yourself a plan on what you really want to do. Because a lot of times we can say we're ready to leave and we can return back. Because just like you said earlier, sometimes you can leave and you can return back so many times. And that was me. Like, I used to leave all the time. And I always found myself coming back because, you know, they're telling you they love you or they change or they, they, they want to do counseling or they want to do this. So I would tell you to set yourself a goal, get yourself a main plan, Find somebody you feel like you can trust. And if you're at a point 
where you feel like you don't have no family, no friends, if you don't even have no one that you can honestly trust, I would tell you to call the National Domestic Violence Hotline, and um, that number is 1-800-799-7233. And again, it's uh, 1-800-799-7233. And also, um, I have some more information. You can also call Jenny's Women's Shelter, which is located here in Dallas, Texas. They have, um, they also, they have like uh, licensed counselors that will talk to you for free. They have resource, resource office that will help you with different resources that you need to get out this situation. And uh, even like a lot of women come from out of town and they have to store it over with no clothes or anything. They also have a thrift store for you guys. And um, they, they, the location is at uh, 4411 Lemon Avenue, Suite 201, Dallas, Texas, 75219. And their email is org. And a phone number is 214-389-7700. You know, I do have to say this. When you were speaking, um, this was on me. I know I mentioned earlier about me um, working in uh, the sheriff's department in Dallas. Um, a lot of time I go to the uh, domestic violence uh, department. And actually, I've been going there for for some time uh, to try to assist, and and then uh, after assisting, that's saying you know now my sister uh, being a victim and uh, losing her life over a domestic violence relationship. Uh, one of the things that really hurt me, and this is me as a guy, it hurts me when I have to go up there and I see a whole line of women. Sometimes with children, sometimes they carrying a child and help, uh, holding a child him. And I see, I see the horror, I see the hurt. Some of them, they may even have the embarrassment on their face. And there's so many women, and from different ages, different race, different cultures, and it's like they're telling the same story. And when I'm looking. Even though there may be there may be women that I don't know, but when I see them, they represent my sister. They represent uh, my niece, my my uh, my sisters at the church, women that I may know. And I think a lot of times what happened is, a lot of times we feel that well, it happened to other people. It may it, it will never happen to uh, my family member, or it, it'll never happen to people that I know. Uh, can you tell those that may be listening that they may feel like, like I said, it, it may never happen to someone that they know, especially when you mentioned y'all going to church. I, people that know me, I'll tell you, don't think because somebody going to church, uh, don't think because people going to church that everything is well. Sometimes Correct. that can be their only uh, uh, safe haven, you know, but uh, whatever the law laid upon your heart to share pertaining to that, feel free at this time. I want people to understand that it can happen to you. It can happen to your family members. It can happen even to teenage children. You know, high school children, they are also dealing with abuse. 
And like I said, a lot of them, they don't want to discuss it because they are ashamed. So I just want you guys, especially if you have children as teenagers, look out for the sign. Look at the different signs of their behavior. If you know your child and you know that they at an age where they start not being relationships and stuff like that, just look for the signs. And even as grown people, look for the signs at them as well because domestic violence is real. And it will take a big toll on you. It will take a big toll on your children. It is sort of affecting you in all type of areas. And, like, since I don't came out in the open, I was surprised, like, my best friend, just a lot of different other people have also dealt with this too, and all of us was ashamed to tell each other. So it's like when when you finally open your mouth, you will be surprised who will come to you personally and tell you, I'm dealing with this too. What can I do? So by you opening your mouth, you can help a lot of people. So allow your voice to be heard no matter who's going to judge you. Just trust in the Lord on any situation you discuss when it comes to domestic violence because it's real out here. Yes, you know, um, I think that's something that we as a community and also as a church, we need to really talk about in detail. We shouldn't run from it. You know, I think a lot of times Correct. the issues that we run from are the issues that are going on right within our home and right within our churches, you know. Um, but along with that, um, for someone who starting over, for someone who feel like they're lost, because sometimes when a person starts over, it's almost like a shell shock. What can they do to help them with the strength, with the courage, even to build up their self-esteem? What can they do to help with themselves? If If someone is lost, I mean, honestly, when somebody's lost, you have to allow them to find themselves first because we can tell people so much things and they mind be already set what they want to do. So we have to just give them encouraging words, support them. We can't pressure them to hear up and do something or, you know, you have to go and do this, this restraining or you have to do this because that's just going to push them farther away from you. Give them that space. Pray for them. Send them encouraging words through text messages every day. Just let them know when they're ready to just open up to you and, you know, and things like that, that you are there for them. So, and I, and I tell anybody that. So, in other words, go on their pace and not your pace. Correct. Go on their pace because I'm telling you, that's how it was like even when when, when my, my best friend kind of knew that I was going through it and it was like she used to try to give me advice and it's like it was pushing me away because I felt like I knew that I wasn't all the right to myself. And so I didn't want to hear nothing nobody else had to say. But when my time, when I knew that I was ready, it was easy. I was ready to open up. I was ready to talk. I was ready to just let loose of everything that I was dealing with. So, and it, and, But the encouraging words that I was receiving, it helped me. But I, at the time, I didn't want her to know that it was helping me because she probably felt like I was just constantly pushing her away. But I was just waiting until I was fully ready. Okay. You know, uh, when you were speaking, the other thing that was kind of hitting on me, of course, we talked about being torn between wanting to leave, wanting to stay. But also, I think there are some that may be listening uh, 
they are torn between leaving or staying for that particular person. A lot of times people feel that if they have left a relationship, a domestic violent relationship, they still feel guilty because they felt like it was their mission or their purpose to help that abuser. You uh, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, a lot of times when women that don't want to leave, it's because the man is the provider. They don't have family. They already disconnected themselves with family. And these men will make you feel like they're the only person that loves you. They will let you know, like, I take care of you and these kids. Ain't nobody else going to step child. So that's why these women always feel connected. And they, they, they sit there and they protect their abusers because they feel like their abusers is all they have because they, they don't distance themselves from family and friends. Hmm. You know, um, Hmm. There was someone that was uh, speaking to me some time ago, and the person was telling me that they are a great father, but a horrible husband. You know, Correct. And they wanted to stay for the sake of the child. You know, I, I hear that so many times. Um, can, can you share some information to those who may be in that situation? Yes, um, a lot of times women use that as well. They say that the man, you know, he's a great father, and, you know, they want to, you know, stay there because they don't want, they don't, a lot like, I'm going to use my friend example. She stayed in her marriage for so long. She had four kids with this guy, and even though she was going through abuse, she stayed in it for so long because she felt like she didn't have that father figure. So she didn't want her kids to not be able to have, that she wanted her kids to have better. So she stayed in that that marriage for so long because that's what she wanted her kids to have their father around. But I'm and, and eventually when she realized she had to be happy for herself, she distanced herself. So that's what I'm telling every woman: don't stay because of the kids because you can wind up losing your lives and your kids can also lose their lives as well. And what a lot of women don't really understand. When you're in a domestic violence relationship for so long, and, you know, we call the police on these guys, and it becomes a, a lot of police records and, you know, things like that, it gets to a point CPS can get involved in your life. And at a point when CPS get involved, CPS can remove your kids from this home where you will have to take anger management class. You have to take different classes just to get your children back. So you have to you have to finally get to a point in your life and make a choice. Do I want my kids to be in the system or do I want to continue to love this man that's abusing me? But I want my kids to have a father because that eventually if CPS take your kids from you, they're not going to have a father or they're not going to have a mother. And the way the system is set up, foster care is so full where they just separating all your kids into different homes. They will not all be in one home together. Hmm. Good information. Good information. Um, especially, I'm glad you talked about the CPS because I think a lot of times people people would try to stay, try to hide that abusive relationship, so CPS won't get involved. But yet and still, they're putting themselves and the children in danger. Correct. Hmm. You know, um, now, some of the other things, I, I do have to mention this, um, just in case, just in case 
someone maybe someone that may be in this type of relationship and that person is making them feel like a prisoner. Um, I know the other day I was looking at Facebook and they showed a video of a, a person that was arrested on the airplane because the lady wrote a note to the stewardess and the stewardess ended up getting the police involved. I don't know what type of uh, situation in detail. I don't know if they were a uh, relationship or even a potential human trafficking uh, situation, but if by chance, if by chance, you may feel trapped, you may feel like, well, I don't know, I don't know, maybe it was meant for me to die in this situation. I do want to tell you, it's not meant for you to die in that situation. It's not meant for you to be in that situation. Don't ever Correct. feel that that's all that you're good for. That's all God have you to be. I mean, just the sin, and that's been something I've, I've spoken with, and they have been emotionally beaten down, spiritually beaten down so badly that that man or that person have made them feel like they are God. That abuser make that person feel that they are God and whatever I say, that's what's gonna happen. You know, that Correct. that 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 victim has been so beaten up badly that they feel like they have no identity. Uh the abuser is their identity and it becomes like a modern day slave. They become like a modern day slave or a modern day slavery. So, can you tell us one more time for those who may be listening? There may be somebody that may have uh, just tuned in, and we're talking about domestic violence. The episode called "Hearing Silent Screams." Just in case you are in that situation. We have a young lady here that's speaking from firsthand experience, and for and for you to know, if you're in that situation right now, there is hope and there is help to get out. Don't ever feel that you're stuck. Once again, you speak to that person that may be uh, trying to debate if they should stay, if they should go. Can you tell them something that will influence them? that they're making the right decision in, in leaving. Yes. If you decide to leave, the, I'm going to tell you, the enemy will make you feel like you're making a big mistake. It's going to be all type of stuff in your head. But you, what's in your heart, you keep pushing. When you step out on faith, I promise you the Lord is going to take care of you. You find the right resources. You get all the help that you need and support and everything is going to be okay. I know it can sound like it's so easy for me, but I don't been free almost four years now, and I didn't think that I could ever be free. I thought I was going to be stuck in that marriage forever. So, you know, get out there and just step out on faith, and like I say, set yourself a goal first and get yourself a plan and, and just leave. You know, just step away. If you have close family members, if you don't have close family members, you know, try that domestic violence 1-800 number. And, you know, you're going to get the help and support that you need. Don't be afraid. Yes, yes. Also, making sure that you all know, just in case you're dealing with someone to tell you, you better not tell anyone, 
the best thing for you to do is to tell everybody. I always say it like this, sing like B.B. King. Because if you think about it, I want you to think about it. A lot of times they'll tell you you better not tell anyone. And if you're the only one that know it, then it's you versus them by yourself. But if you let somebody know, especially those that you know that can help, tell as many people as you can. So that way, that's your support. That person, that abuser, wants you to feel that you don't have any support. You don't have uh, any people in your corner. I'm telling you, there are people that are ready and willing to be in your corner. And I want you to think about this. If they say, well, I'm going I'm to I'm hurt them, I'm going to kill them, I want you to think about this. It's every right for their family, for whoever, to be informed so that way they can protect themselves. I'll just say it like that. Yep, so, that's yeah, you know, I, I've seen so many, I call them cowards, people that do that. Um, and they, I know they do it for very, you know, variety of reasons. But people need to understand that we don't control people. We barely can control ourselves. <laughs> you know, if you think about it. You don't really control yourself. I tell people, if you think that you can control, control yourself, how about you hold on to going to the bathroom? Eventually, eventually, you're going to lose control. Correct. So, so with, with the people that may be watching, who may be listening, I want you to know that you can survive. You can get out of domestic violence. Like I said, we're speaking to a prime example. We're speaking to a not a victim, but a victor. We're speaking to a survivor. We're speaking to a conqueror right now. And God has allowed her to survive and get out and been free for four years. Four years. And and for her to be able to look in the mirror and thank God every day that she had the strength and she had the courage to move on to get out in spite of the naysayers. You know, um, now you mentioned earlier um, about there may be, there were some that tried to bully you uh, when you broke when you broke away from it. Um, uh-huh. The the support we spoke about the support that you had, but um, but also. Were there were there some that would, other than his side of the family, but were there some that were not supportive, that, or there may have been some that you were expecting help from from your side, uh, friendship, friends, or family? Uh, yeah, like some, like you could say, like maybe some, like they, it's like they they didn't believe me, but then they did believe me because. When you met this person, he was always this jolly person. Like, he's one of the people, like, everybody loves. So it was kind of, like, hard because, like I said, a lot of times I hid my bruises that was on me or, you know, I just had my kids a lot. But once I started, because, like, a lot of times when he used to hit me and I had bruises, I used to take pictures. So once I started showing, like, my evidence inside of my domestic violence group, it's, like, put a lot of people in shock, like, 
it was real, you know. Mm. So, like I said, you never like you can't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, glad you brought that up. For those who um, are in that type of situation, uh, please, please, please journalize things. Take pictures, like you said, and like you did. Take pictures, journalize, um, because a lot of time when a person finds the courage to go ahead and uh, report it to the authorities, they want to know proof. They, they want evidence. And we just can't say, well, you know, they always do it. Right. You have to have proof. Police records showing where the police came out to your house numerous of times. And it's something else I want to add on to it. A lot of people don't know when you're going through domestic violence, they be scared. They don't want to break their lease. They don't want to do this. If you're going through domestic violence and you have police records showing that you've been getting abused, you can take it to your landlord and show them that your police records and stuff, they are allowed, they are supposed to allow you to get out your lease without your lease being broken and without it being on your record. That's for apartments, houses, and everything like that. So long as you have your police records showing you don't call the police numerous of times, don't be afraid that you feel like you're breaking your lease, you're going to mess up your credit. You should be allowed to be able to move because you're dealing with domestic violence. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that information. Um, so other than pictures, um, you said police records, even, uh, journalizing some of the things, uh, but journalizing much as possible. Uh, are there any other things that we need to, um, have within our records for those who may be experiencing domestic violence? I mean, if you don't, you just have have to have that that type of information. And, you know, like I said, if you have someone personally you can trust. And I will also say when you have these type of information, put it in your email so you know you can go back to it. Or it's like a lock, uh, an app called that's uh, Keepsake Lock. You can upload your pictures on there. Your bruiser can't, he can type your phone, try to put code. He can't even find his information. Even if you uninstall it, it is still, all your information will still be there waiting for you when you install it back. It's called Keepsake, and it's an app that you can put, uh, upload all your pictures on there, and you can uninstall it so your abuser can't know you have that on your phone. Hmm. Great information, great information. So now can you tell us um, your mission, especially when you were in it, you um, got on Facebook and you began to reach out to um, people that were experiencing that. So now seven, uh, excuse me, four years removed, uh, can you tell us what you're doing now? What I've been doing now, as I stated before, um, I go out downtown, and we actually going downtown on December the 7th. We are meeting up at 1818 Corsicana Street. We're going to be passing out curb packs. We're going to be passing out lunch sacks, and we're going to be doing uh, passing out clothes and, you know, used clothes and new clothes, whatever people have been donating. And uh, we also, we do Domestic Violence Awareness Month. It's in October of every year. I wish it would be through the whole year because I normally I talk about it 
every day, but a lot of times. But it's in Domestic Violence Awareness Month, so uh, we normally do our domestic violence walks in October of every year, and um, we do domestic violence photo shoots when it get close to Domestic Violence Awareness Month. We try to bring awareness to the people that lost their lives, and we try to bring awareness to people that has been free from domestic violence and, you know, and things like that. So, and also, um, if, you, if a lot of you guys, if you would like to find me, you can reach out to me on my domestic violence Facebook page for my group. It's called There's No Love in a Lick. DB is real. And so you can kind of follow us and see what different things we have in store for 2020 if you would like to come out and to join us on these different events that we have coming up. Yes, yes. And also, um, um, I was honored to be a part of um, the photo shoot and the walk. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've, that was my first time ever participating, and it was so overwhelming um, just to see the, the fellowship, the love, and, and also even, like you were saying, the um, – uh, be able to pay tribute to those that uh, have lost the loved one. I met so many of them, uh, so many of the, uh, the surviving member. Uh, some of their family members were killed just like uh, mine and, and just be able to be around people who understand, you know, so I, I want to thank you also for allowing that to happen. Now, I, if you don't mind, I do have to bring this up. Um, a little something I had told you that we were going to try to surprise the person. Remember what I had uh, mentioned to you? Uh-huh. Would, that be okay? would, would that be okay? Yes, that's fine. That's, that's okay. fine. Okay. okay. Now, four years removed, a couple of weeks ago, I had the pleasure of um, being with uh, Miss Crystal and um, her boyfriend uh, for her birthday, and he popped the question to her, and she <laughs> said, "Yes, she's engaged. She is engaged to a young man, um, great young man. I got a chance to meet him. Got a chance to um, talk to him. Actually, not just talk to him, but got a chance to him. And uh, you know, sweetheart of a guy, and." A couple of days ago was his birthday, and so we want to give him not just a public uh, acknowledgement, but also a public embarrassment to say happy birthday to him. You know, happy birthday to <laughs> Mr. Derek. Happy birthday to him. Also, now was it birthday yesterday? I think for yesterday. Birthday was yesterday. Uh huh. Yesterday, yes. Um, actually, he has the same birthday as my mom. Um, so I will not forget his birthday. Um, just in case he's just in case he's able to hear me. Uh, happy birthday, Derek, man. I appreciate you. Um, not just uh helping in the mission, but also I appreciate you for even for what you do. Um he's uh got like I said a couple of days ago, uh, got a chance to be there, uh got a chance to hear him speak and you know, he was uh you know, just a joy to be around and, you know, just made uh, provide a lot of things. Uh, so I really thank God for him. But also, yesterday was his birthday, and the next day, the 24th, which was today, uh, he was baptized. And um, sorry I couldn't make it, but it was um, – I was very, very happy to hear 
that he was getting baptized. And uh, I, Mr. Derrick, I want to tell you that um, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God continue just to guide you and lead you. And once again, I thank you. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Um, you know, like I said, not just helping with the uh, with the group, but even just what you do as a young man. So I want to tell him, uh, make public acknowledgement to say, you know, I thank God for him. He's helping so many uh, guys behind the scenes, even if he feel like he's not doing much. Now he's doing a lot. And so just know that there are people that are watching you. And uh, thank God for him. Thank God for him, uh, Crystal. Uh, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, before, if you don't mind, I, I don't. I don't see anyone on the line, but what I'm going to do, if you don't mind, before we go into prayer, if you'd like to just share uh, anything else, something that, um, just in case there was something that was not mentioned, whatever the law lay upon your heart, you're welcome to share at this time. Um, All I just want to tell them just, you know, get out. It's not worth it. It's not worth you losing your kids. It's not worth you losing your life, you know, is something out there better for you? You know, I know a lot of times women struggle because they have more than one or two kids. They feel like nobody else is going to love them. I mean, I had four, and the Lord blessed me with a wonderful fiancé. So don't never feel like you're not going to find love again or, you know, this is the only person for you. Domestic violence is real, and it's killing us every single day. And, you know, just get yourself out of it. It's not worth it. Step out on faith, and I promise you the Lord is going to take care of you. Awesome. Awesome. And so for those who may be uh, listening, who may have been encouraged, uh, who may have felt like, you know what, no one understands what I'm dealing with, what I'm going through, I'm here to let you know I may not have understood, but there are somebody who understood. And just in case you felt like there's no one there's no one that's going to understand. There's there's no help. What's the point of trying to get out when I don't know what else to do? I'm telling you, from and you heard it yourself. You heard from someone that was in your shoes, and now God has allowed her to get out. And so just in case you feel trapped, just in case you feel like you don't know what to do, I want you to, even if you feel like there is no hope, I want you to understand this. As long as God being God, there is a way out, and we're going to be praying that God help you to be, to be sensitive, to be aware of the avenues to get out, and just know that if you can if you can make that step, if you can make that step, know that you will have people on your, you will have people to support you. You will have people in your corner, and just someone who may be uh be having someone in their family that may be going through that. We're going to hold up each and every one of those individuals too. Whatever your situation is, we're going to store it right there at the altar. In just case someone who may not be saved may be listening, Romans 10 and 9 tells us that thou shalt confess the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be and believe in the heart that God will raise him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Whatever your needs, concerns, or issues are, we're going to stand in the gap and pray right now and praying that God come in and intervene. 
the hand of the Father, we come to you right now, God. Thank you, Lord, for your awesomeness. We come to you right now, God. We acknowledge your presence. God, we come to you right now, God. We need you like never before, God. You know every issue. You know everything that people may be going through or dealing with right now. God, we giving everything to you right now, God. In the name of Jesus, God, there are some strongholds, people dealing with some strongholds. They feel like they don't know how to get out. They feel like there is no way out. But, God, we know as you are sitting on the throne, God, you will provide a way out. So, God, help us, God, with the strength, with the courage, with the ability to get out, God. Help us, God to have the confidence of trusting you, God. God, help us, God, and protect us, God. Protect us physically, mentally, and emotionally. Every aspect of our lives right now. In the name of Jesus, and say about everything you stand for, we bind every confusion, we bind every witchcraft, we bind every controlling, every manipulative spirit, we bind every artistic spirit right now. In the name of Jesus, and Lord, we speak it right now, God, for those who may have other issues detained uh, um, outside of domestic violence, God, we speak in God. We give everything to you once and for all, God. You know every need. You know every concern right now, God. And God, we even speaking right now that you put a hedge of protection, God. Protect our hearts. Protect our minds, God. God, we speaking, God, for those who are helping, God, those who are helping those that are dealing with domestic violence, God. God, we appreciate them, God. God, we speaking, God, that you even grant them, God, the funds, God, to to provide more, God, to be able to do more, God. God, bless them, God, with the resources, God. God, bless them, God, with the resources, God, to even to give out more, God. Help them, God. Ask them, God. Ask them people, God, to come out, God, and support, God, help and encourage the, those who may be doing something that's upbuilding your kingdom, God, and saving lives and restoring lives right now. In the name of Jesus, and we thank you, Lord, for everything you've done, everything you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. I want to thank thank you for this opportunity. Oh, it's 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 my honor. Um, I thank you. Um, I've I've been wanting to have you on the show, and I just thank God that uh everything happened, and you know, it it, it at first it looked like the business and distractions. At the right place at the right time, and this is it. And I really appreciate uh, God's timing. <laughs> yeah, especially on short notice. I really appreciate. And uh, what I'm going to be doing um, next week on up to um, the seventh, I'm definitely going to be um, speaking about it. Uh, the upcoming okay. event. So, um, so anytime the Lord lays something upon your heart and you want to come on, whatever, by all means, you can text me, call me, uh, inbox me, whatever. And once again, look forward to seeing the beautiful walk of you and your fiancé. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So I thank each and every one who are tuning in, and I thank each and every one who are supporting this mission, uh, this drive, thank, once again, thank Miss Crystal for everything that she's doing. Thank God for God using her and helping her to change lives, to restore lives. And I want to thank each and everyone who are tuning in. Once again, Miss Crystal, I really appreciate you. And thank God for you. Thank you. Yes, yes. So uh, thank each and every one who are tuned in to the show. And 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Reconnect My Heart Podcast. God bless you and good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.